Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. And today, my co-host Chase is not with me. I am flying solo for this episode. Uh, please don't turn the podcast off when you hear that. I have come loaded with takes on this deadline. I am so excited. In fact, usually... You know, if there's a day Chase can't record or, or a week or whatever, we try and uh, just push it off. But obviously with trade deadline week, that, that can happen. And I almost debated recording this podcast about four times myself already this week with so much happening. But I wanted to do a bit of a ranking. I knew I was going to be by myself, so I, I kind of wanted to tier every team at the deadline. And I'm not going to go over every single trade, but I'm going to give my opinion on some of the big ones. And we will hit every single team um, for a short amount of time. So let's just dive right into this. I, I'm super excited. So I, I first of all, thanks to Cap Friendly for uh, the amazing work they do. We're not sponsored by them or anything, but uh, you can go and filter by team, filter by date range, uh, all that good stuff for every team on this deadline. Um, you know, affecting cap hit. Uh, you can put in a minimum amount of draft picks, minimum amount of players if you want to filter by that. Uh, they have a really cool filter what round, so how many first rounders went, you can filter by that. Um, just really cool. So I, I figured I should give them a shout out because they, they do some, they're doing some amazing work. Everyone who listens to this podcast probably knows about Cap Friendly, but still. Um, so yeah, I, I've put the teams into a bunch of different tiers. Uh, I have about five off the top and then a couple of them broke up into tiers within the tiers because, and again, anyone listening, that probably shouldn't shock you. So uh, my first tier was not much. They, they didn't do too much. Like There wasn't a, a ton to talk about. And, and the first team I had in this was Anaheim. Um, they, they sold some pieces off, but a lot of it was really small. Uh, they did flip John Klingberg right on, uh, you know, around, I think it was 1 p.m. today. And that was a name I was surprised didn't hear come up. He's having an awful season. Goes to Minnesota. And so I'll, what I'll do is instead of hitting the trade specifically, I'm going to hit team by team and give my thoughts on, on their overall and then specifics if I want to get into it. So for Anaheim, they, they got um, um, basically a 2025 fourth round pick and the rights to a a prospect that's in college right now. Again, not much. And then they flipped Kulikov as well for a third-round pick and Brock McGinn. That's a good piece of work. Um, but, yeah, they just really didn't do too much. And, and honestly, I, I don't think you can fault them too much for that either. Anaheim is a team that, um, you know, they've been sellers for a number of years now. I know they're probably not where they or their fans want them to be. Um, but at the same time, like, I, I just there's, there wasn't a ton to sell this year, you know, like, just looking at the UFAs, Kevin Shattenkirk, I was a little surprised didn't go, um, but, you know, maybe he didn't want to go. And other than that, there literally is no one worth buying on this team. Like, Nathan Beaulieu's, I think, is past the year. Maybe Derek Grant, but, like, even him, he's kind of past the point of being, like, a fourth seed at the deadline. So, um, yeah, that, that was the first team I had in there. The next team I had is actually the Buffalo Sabres, and they pulled one move off right near the deadline today as well, and that's picking up Jordan Greenway, and I really do like this move for them um, because this is not just a move for this year, obviously. This is a this is a move that, you know, that they're going to... Um, they're going to have them going forward. Minnesota, we'll get to it when we get to Minnesota, but they just clearly didn't have the cap space going forward. Greenway just signed a 3 by 3 this past offseason, so he's on a good contract. He's um, uh, He was their second-round pick in 2015 for Minnesota. 26-year-old, like, I, I think this is a, a perfect fit for Buffalo in terms of, you know, they didn't give up too many assets, a second and a fifth, good price for it, and, and Greenway will give them some more depth scoring, which I, I think they can can definitely use. So they, they really didn't do too much. They flipped Erasmus Asplund for a seventh-round pick uh, and then traded some some other guys, Anders Bjork, for future considerations. Like, they just they really didn't do too much at the deadline other than the Greenway move, but I think the Greenway move is um, definitely a shrewd move, and I like it. Uh, another team that did almost nothing was the Calgary Flames. Uh, they fl- flip brothers, Nick Ritchie for Brett Ritchie uh, with the Arizona Coyotes. They also get Troy Stetcher. Uh, again, like they just, this is a team that lost to Toronto last night, and they are they're in trouble. Uh, they are, I believe, five points out of the standings or out of the playoffs in the West, and like that is a lot. And, and you know, it's funny because we'll talk about a team like Ottawa, who feels really in it with five points, but like. This is not a good division they're in, and they are seven points behind the Oilers for fourth in their own division. Um, so, you know, they, they're really struggling, and I don't really blame them for not going out and doing anything big because, yeah, the, the Jets are at 72 points, and they hold the second wild card spot. So five full points out, and the Jets have a game in hand on them. Most most teams do at least have a couple games in hand or the same amount played. So, um, yeah, the, the, we're going to rip through this not-much category kind of quick. 
Um, just because, again, like there's obviously not a ton to talk about, and then we'll we'll really get into some of the other ones. I'm going to skip a couple alphabetically here that I also have because I do want to circle back to them. Uh, but the next thing is the Montreal Canadiens. Um, I don't think this should have been too surprising to anyone either. Like they, uh, Again, they are a team that kind of stripped it to the bones last year. Uh, Joel Edmondson was a name that was floated around, but he has one more year left on his contract. So, you know, I guess they assume that the price wasn't right, and they, they do have a bunch of assets already. So, um, but yeah, other than that, like Jonathan Druens are only notable, note, notable, sorry, uh, UFA coming up, and he's an awful year. So I can't imagine too many guys would have been too high on him. Uh, and then, as I said, they literally don't have another UFA that's healthy. So, uh, yeah, like they, that, that this shouldn't surprise anyone. They were the... Um, Third team in a uh, three-team trade with Pittsburgh, or San Jose and uh, Pittsburgh. They basically ate some of Nick Bonino's salary for a fifth-round pick. Um, you guys have heard Chase and I talk about that kind of move all the time. We really like that. It's a smart thing to do. And they also picked up Dennis Guriana from the uh, Dallas Stars in exchange one-for-one for, one for Evgeny, Evgeny Danov. Again, I really like this move, too. I don't know why Guryanov didn't work in Dallas, but he just he never really seemed to fit. So, um, again, another pretty shrewd move, in my opinion, uh, for Montreal, who has a quiet deadline, but the, the few moves that they did were, were strong. I, I like them. Uh, the next team I have on this tier is the New York Islanders, and their only move within the since February 23rd, which is my cutoff, was uh, flipping Pierre Engvall for a third-round pick. Uh, again, I don't mind this. I'm always... I never know how to talk about the Islanders. I don't think they're a very good team. I don't know what their future really holds. But at the same time, I kind of understand why, if you're the Islanders, you don't want to just accept defeat and know that you've probably... Like, they, they can't really sell a bunch of their pieces, so they can't really rebuild, but, like, I don't know. They just don't feel anywhere near a cup either, so they're this weird middle spot. But in a vacuum, I like this move, and then obviously their massive move was Bo Horvat at this deadline. So they didn't do nothing this deadline. It was just the actual trade deadline itself. They were they were more quiet. Um, the Pittsburgh Pen this was a weird one. I, I didn't really know where to put Pittsburgh. They made some moves. I don't think they were really needle movers, though. They clear a bunch of cap space, like they get rid of Teddy Bluger, they send a couple guys down, and then they pick up Mikel Granlin at $5 million for a second-round pick, and he's got $5 million next year, too. I just, I don't really love that deal. I don't, I don't really just, I just don't really see that moving the needle for a Pittsburgh team that, you know, needed to get younger as well. And then they go and pick Nick Benino up as well, you know, obviously has had success there, and then Dmitry Kulikov. So it's like, this team's biggest problem is they're old and slow, why is the solution to go get a bunch of guys in their early to mid to late 30s and think that's going to help them? So I, I put them into not doing much because I thought it was pretty underwhelming. You know, in comes uh, Kulikov, Bonino, and Granlin. Out goes a second-round pick, a seventh-round pick, a fifth-round pick, um, and Brock McGinn, a third-round pick and Brock McGinn. So, like, and part of that is the you know that comes down to them not having much assets to deal with, but still, I, I just I, I don't know I, I didn't love what they did. Um, Vegas is the next team I have on my not doing much. They pick up Jonathan Quick at half retain uh, just for some depth. Jonathan Quick's been bad this year again. Well, we can get to him when we get to LA, but um, yeah, Quick's Quick's been bad this year. Uh, but Logan Thompson still sounds like he's going to be out for a little while. So I don't really blame them for at least trying to get a guy who was good. Even last year, you know, he hasn't been good the years before. But I don't blame them for not wanting to go with Aiden Hill and Michael Hutchinson as a tandem down the, down the line. So it'll be Aiden Hill and Jonathan Quick now at least. And I, I don't hate that. Like, I think that's a, a fine move. And again, for a seventh-round pick they send back and Michael Hutchinson. So um, this is a move where I think Vegas... They, they didn't do much, but, you know, that's okay. And then they picked up Teddy Bluger as sent a third-round pick to uh, the Penguins. Um, so, and Barbashev as well. But, and I, Ivan Barbashev only went for Zach, Zach Dean, which I was surprised by. Um, I guess he is a 20-year-old, so he, he's a prospect. So may, maybe that's why I shouldn't be as surprised. I probably just haven't heard of him. Having a decent year in the QMJHL. But I, I thought Barbashev, like, they were talking about him going for, like, a second or whatever. So, a little surprised, but... I think it's a fine deadline from Vegas. I think they kind of did what they need to do. You know, this team, basically this team is going to come down to, if they have success, is is Mark Stone healthy again? And, you know, can the rest of their team be healthy all at once? So, um, yeah, they have a good team when healthy. They kind of just upgraded the fringes, which is all they, you know, like, yeah, that, that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with that by any means. Um, 
And I've got the Winnipeg Jets. The Jets kind of... I have four teams left in this not doing anything tier, and all of them I'm going to group together because I don't really understand why they didn't do anything. Like, all these teams, to me, felt like teams that probably have a good argument to do something but decided not to. And that's the Winnipeg Jets, the Carolina Hurricanes, the Colorado Avalanche, and the Dallas Stars. Now, Colorado, maybe not as much. We'll, we'll get to them in a second. But the Winnipeg Jets especially, their only two moves of the deadline were bringing in Nino Niederreiter for a second-round pitch pick, which I really do like. Niederreiter's got four mil next year as well. Uh, and then Vladislav Nemesnikov for 1.25. They bring him in for a four. So out goes second four in Niederreiter and Nemesnikov. No doubt their depth is a little better now. They're on an L4. Uh, I didn't realize this. They've, they're 4-5-1 in their last 10 on an L4. They're slipping. They're fourth in the division. The Red Hot Avs are 7-2-1. and one. I've now passed them in the standings at the point of recording this. Uh, and as I mentioned, they are five points ahead of Calgary, but they're in a bit of identi identity crisis here. And I kind of felt like they should have gone one way or the other with this deadline. Like To me, half in, half out was not the move for this team. Um, it, you know, again, like I really do like Nino Ninerider. I think he will help their team quite a bit. But I just, I don't know. Like, I saw a bunch of people in Winnipeg weren't happy with it. And one of the things people brought up is Pierre-Luc Dubois. You know, everyone knows he wants out this, this summer. Like, that's not a mistake. And it's like, well, you know, you can't sell everything just to keep him. But you have one chance to really, and show this team, this core that is all in their late, 20s or in their 30s now show this core that you want to go do something you know show Hellebuck who has been your rock for five years plus now that you want to actually go out and do something you just don't like they just went they just didn't do much um and this just now feels like a team where they're gonna get in the playoffs the west is not very strong if they're in the east I don't think they would get in the playoffs but they're gonna get in the playoffs they are either going to play, I, I could see, you know, I think the Avalanche are going to storm back and, and come top two in this division. So they're either going to play the Avalanche if they manage to jump the Wild, who we'll get to, or they're going to be in a wildcard team and have to play one of the Stars, the Avalanche, or like the Golden Knights. And they're going to be in that series because they're a fine team, but if they beat like the Golden Knights or Stars, it's only because Hellebuck stood on his head. And, you know, I don't feel the, I don't feel great about them going any further in, in what's a, a pretty wide open Western division, to be honest. Like it just, it felt like they kind of let an opportunity go to really take a stranglehold uh, or not a stranglehold, but just cement themselves in a year where it may, and maybe, you know, Colorado storming back makes things a lot more interesting. Um, you know, they look really good, but you know, Colorado doesn't look as dominant as last year, and part of that's just because of injuries. But, you know, you should assume that Colorado is going to be unreal for the next couple of years. So you kind of almost have to take it where it's like, well, this year they don't look quite as good. So maybe this is the year that, you know, we should take our shot, especially given this core might have a shakeup, you know, after this year. They got they a bunch of UFAs and RFAs. So little disappointed from Winnipeg's. Again, I, I like the Nina Ryder addition. Uh, and even Domestikov, he's a fine depth player or whatever. I think this is the fourth time in his career he's been flipped for a fourth-round pick, which is um, absolutely hilarious, <laughs> if I'm being honest. So that, that's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, overall, just just kind of a disappointing deadline from the Winnipeg Jets. And, and that's where I'm going to go with the Dallas Stars as well, unless I'm completely missing a move. Uh, no, I'm not. Like, they they flipped Guriana for Dadanov. Dadanov's fine, you know, 50% retained. They're probably going to get an equal amount, but I like Arianov a little more. He's younger too, but he wasn't working there. That's okay. They sent Anton Hudobin, who just did not work out this year, in a second-round pick to Dallas for Max Domi uh, and Dylan Wells. So Max Domi, basically. Um, I, again, like I don't. This doesn't move any needle to me. You you bring in two guys. You know, Domi I think is a little overrated. If I'm being completely honest, like he's having. I know everyone talked about how, how he's fitting in in Chicago or whatever, but it's like, well, you got to head to because no one else was scoring on Chicago and. Someone needs to. So, um, yeah, like, I, I just, I don't think Domi, it's, like, the trade itself is fine, but this is their marquee move of the deadline, and this is a team that's leading their division that, again, has a Colorado Avalanche in it. This needs to be a year where it's, like, you go all in, and Domi's numbers this year, he's been okay 
offensively atrocious defensively, that could be some part of it. But that's kind of his MO as well. He'll, he'll help the offense, but he's brutal defensively. So, um, yeah, I, I grouped Dallas in there with uh, teams that just didn't do much. And then I'll group Colorado in there as well, but give them kind of a pass because a little bit. I like the Lars Eller pickup. That was not a bad deal. I think that'll be, you know, not as impactful as their Terry Lekkonen one last year. Uh, and then, but I, I don't, I just, I don't get picking up Jack Johnson. So, uh, I, I think they could have made their team better even, you know, they, they send they spend Andreas Englund, not a big deal. Uh, a second-round pick, Shane Bowers they flipped for Keith Kincaid, again, a nothing deal. It was basically a second um, for Lars Eller, and then they also, for whatever reason, picked up Jack Johnson, which is just such a net net. Like, that dude must be the best guy in the locker room because I don't know how he still gets NHL gigs, let alone the cup winner who just won with him still going out of their way to acquire him. So, uh, And then the final team I put in here is the Carolina Hurricanes, and... I love the two moves that they made, but given the absolute arms race that we are going to get into with the Eastern Conference, I just kind of worry they didn't do enough. Uh, so they pick up Jesse Pugliarvi for Patrick Puzola. Never even heard of this dude before. Uh, Chase, uh, you know, like I asked Chase and he had said he, um, you know, like he's uh, not, he didn't have much to say about him at all. And Chase is more into prospects than I am. So I don't want to put words in Chase's mouth, but like Chase wasn't too sure about this guy. This is the most Canes move I've ever seen. Jesse Pugliarvi is going to be like a 45, 50 point, just play driving winger. And people are going to be like, oh, how did we miss this? Even though it was right in front of our face the entire time. I get he can't score. You know, that that's a problem. But he is just elite defensively for a winger. Um, you know, he's a perfect third line guy that you can just shut down. And I think they'll use him in that role. And then Shane Gostas Bears has just been criminally underrated for a while now as well. I love the Coyotes picking him up a couple years ago as a cap nump um, from the Flyers. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think that's a great move on, on their part. Um, so that's all. But it just – so I, I really like the two moves they did make. But I just – part of me wonders – you know, and, and they are a very, very strong team. But, like, part of me wonders, did they do enough? Because they are a strong team, but the Devils are right on their heel, one point behind them. And, you know, we all know who the Devils at. We'll get to that in a massive move. But And even, the you know, the Rangers, they're seven points behind. The Rangers made a couple interesting high-value high ads as well. So, um, not a bad deadline by any means from Carolina. Like, I do think they improved their team. I just kind of wonder, comparatively, wasn't enough. But maybe you can look at that the other way, too, where you go... Do they need to keep adding if they feel they are that good? So I'm, I'm not really sure how to feel about that. I, I could go either way. But, um, yeah, that is my tier of teams that did not much. <laughs> so we are, you know, I depending on how you view that, we're 17 minutes in. But the good news is I just did rip through 12 teams. So we are almost halfway through the league already. Uh, we'll do one more, well, two quick as well. Uh, and that's the teams that did absolutely nothing. So my sliders set to February 23rd. So... 10 days ago, and two teams made not a single trade in that area, the Florida Panthers and the Seattle Kraken. Uh, Florida, I, this is not shocking. They just can't do anything. Um, you know, they, they're locked into this team. Almost all of them are under contract. They want to still make the playoffs, but they don't have much to add. They spent everything last year already, so they just can't do much. Um, you know, so I'm not shocked there. Seattle, I was a little surprised at Seattle as well. I, 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 um, I thought maybe they would try and go... And, and make another move and maybe upgrade. I thought they were a team that maybe was going to look to upgrade in net. Um, again, they're, they're having a good year, uh, but I just uh, maybe they feel that they're still a little ahead of where they are and they, they just want to, this is found money, if, if you want to say, which I think is fair. Like, they're tied for third right now in the, in the Pacific Division with 74 points, four points behind first, but, like, they're having a good year. They should make playoffs, so maybe they just kind of want to see where things go. But I, I thought, again, in a... Wide open Pacific and a wide open West. I was a little surprised they didn't go and make more of a move, but they decided not to. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, I want to thank Betstamp for uh, sponsoring this podcast. Betstamp is an app that allows you to go and compare lines across multiple different sports books. Um, having money in different sports books is the best way to make money while sports gambling. Uh, Betstamp easily allows you to check on any sport, anything you want. So if it's a player prop, uh, an overall win total, they'll show you exactly what uh, bet or what bet site in your region has the best odds and what one you should be using. Uh, you can also track your own picks and uh, your net income, your return on investment, how much you've risked, how much you've won in a given time period. Uh, there's also a... Uh, Market a free marketplace where you you can take a look at what others are betting and what their return on investments are. You know, so some guys who are posting it publicly, and again, this is all free. So 
Uh, go download their free app. It is BetStamp. And if you do, please use the code MNMHockey. It would go a long way and mean, mean a ton to us. So uh, thank you to BetStamp for sponsoring this podcast. All right. Let's get on to another part of the easier two. So I got the two of five tiers done now, but it's the easiest two of five. And so I, we have 14 of 32 teams done, uh, but definitely the easier ones. This is the third easiest. And the reason I say this is because it's the selling easy tier. And um, one of the things, you know, I, I've tried, this is, you know, I, I think this is fourth year now, maybe even fifth of podcasting, which is crazy to think about. But one of the things I've tried to think about as we approach these deadlines and stuff is, what are some things that we overreacted to in years past? And we do it year after year, but don't seem to notice. And one of those trends is definitely the winners of the deadline are almost always, for Chase and I, like when we do this podcast, we, we try to always look at different angles like mainstream media. But for, what I found is we always love the team that sells, and that's because selling is easy. So, you know, I'm going to pray every team on this list I, I think is a, great, a good idea to sell. And the reason is if you're not an automatic cup contender or have a path where you're viewing, you know, obviously you can't. One of the pet peeves I have with some people is definitely that it seems like you should either be in the lottery or going for the cup. And, like, there's obviously – you have teams like Ottawa, Buffalo, you know, Detroit, maybe not the best. Even Seattle, I think, is a great example of, like, no, you don't need to be selling. But, like, if you're in 18th in the standings or whatever, that can be a positive thing for you as well, even if you've made money to make additions. Um, so – but yeah, this is a list of teams that sold hard at the deadline, uh, and I think rightfully did so as well. Um, I was very impressed. And so the first team, and then it goes alphabetical order, uh, and then I've grouped a couple teams together. And first team is the Arizona Coyotes. Again, they just continue to stockpile assets. I, I've i really liked how they've approached this rebuild Um I know it's tough, but I, and, you know, the, the, we'll get into their salary cap retention. But obviously, their massive move is Jacob Chitron out finally happens. Uh, they get a 2023 first round conditional pick. Uh, they get a 2024 second round conditional pick and a 2026 second round pick. So um, the first thing, for, and obviously as a Suns fan, I, I have feelings about this trade. This is way lower than what they were demanding, and they kind—I of, think they kind of saw the market with some sellers that are going go. Oh crap! The defensive market's getting short here, and I still think a first and two seconds is good value. Uh, the first, the condition of the first is it is top five protected. Uh, so if that, if for whatever reason Ottawa wins the lottery, they miss the playoffs, win the lottery this year, um, they get a 2024 first round pick, which is unprotected. So I do like this from Arizona. You know, I can't be too biased. And say, you know, I, like we talked about um, the Islanders pick and um, them flipping and how that's actually a good value to have it later on. And you want that pick to be top 10 this year because you want the later unprotected pick because there's a chance they fall off. Ottawa, I don't really see them falling off. But at the same time, again, this is a team who knows what happens. They got hit with injuries, maybe weren't as good as they hoped this year. You know, like the, if you're going to choose between Ottawa and the Maple Leafs or whatever, or the LA Kings, you know, is another team that was in on Chichen the whole way through. Yeah, you definitely wanted a pick that could be Ottawa's unprotected or, you know, the 12th overall pick in a good draft or whatever. So I, I like that from Arizona's perspective. Uh, again, until for Ottawa, and I'm doing a full podcast on Ottawa's side as well. But uh, again, 2022nd or 2024 second. Um, so conditions, if Ottawa makes the 2023 Eastern Conference Finals, that's this year. So if they go on one hell of a run because they brought Chitrin in, uh, the pick becomes a 2024 first round top 10 protected. If the pick is top ten, if the pick is top 10 next year, the pick becomes an Ottawa 2025 first round unprotected. So uh, this is probably just going to be a second round pick. Let, let's be completely honest. And then you get a second in 2026. Um, a couple things about this. So then, uh, so... Again, I really like the value there. Uh, they also then flip Gostas Bear for a third-round pick in 2026. Uh, they also took half of Kane's salary for a third-round pick in 2025. Now, the condition on it is Arizona will receive the better of either New York or Dallas's third-round pick. So, uh, they're unconditional as well um, there. So, they're getting a third-round pick in 2025, and they had to just eat 5.25 of Kane's cap hit. Uh, and then they also acquired Jacob, a sixth round pick in 2023 for Jacob Voracek's salary of 8.25 million, which they're now going to put on LTIR. Um, other than that, they flipped Nick Bukestad for a 2023 third, and then obviously Brett Ritchie for Nick Ritchie and Troy Stetcher. Whew, that's a, that's a mouthful there. Um, so 
they bring in a ton of value again this deadline. Like they get a 2023 third and sixth. They get a first in 2023, a second uh, in 2024, a third in 2026, a second in 2026, like another third in 2025. They just, they have so many picks. It's absolutely hilarious going to their draft page and seeing. But the thing I love about this is it only shows three years out. Once we get to 2026, they're already going to have multiple assets as well. They are doing this the right way. They now have two first round picks in this year's draft, which is supposed to be a good draft. They have four third round picks in this year's draft, two fifths, two sixths, and on their own seventh. Uh, next year, they have their own first, and then they have four second-round picks and three third-round picks and two fourth-round picks. In 2025 already, they have four second-round picks for 2025 and two seconds in the third or two in the third round. <sighs> Why am I getting so excited about this? It's because they obviously won't use all these picks. But how many times have we seen, whether it be at this deadline or you know the summer is a classic, teams go shoot, we need to shed some salary. We have this really good player, Oliver Bjorkstrand for the Seattle Kraken, the perfect example of it. And I keep going back to what Vegas did. Vegas, four years after their expansion draft, were using picks they acquired during the expansion draft because they went, we don't need a billion picks now. Let's put some of these down the road and flip them for future assets. And that's what Arizona's doing right now, where they're laying the base. They suck right now. They're going for the big fish. But they're giving themselves so much more ammo to keep supplying themselves down the road that even when they're good, they're going to have the ability to go out and make trades that are not with their own picks, which is exactly what the assets Ottawa use. Like, I, I wish Ottawa would have been even a little more proactive in selling some of their players. So you can definitely argue, is there too much of a bare bones strip down and how it's going to work? And I think that's fair. But just in terms of spreading out the assets, I absolutely love what Arizona is doing. I just, you know, I can't talk enough about it. Um the one thing, let's get to it. There's been a lot of people that have, you know, discussed back and forth. Is it a good thing that they have? I think they're only spending like $25 million of their real. They're at a $66 million cap hit. I'm pretty sure someone had said $45 million of that is uh, what is, is on dead money, basically. For LTIR money, so like the... Um, the contract they just picked up for uh, Jacob Voracek and like they have Voracek, Shea Weber, Andrew Ladd, Brian Little all on LTIR making $26 million. Um, and again, they're not paying a cent for any of those contracts. I think, you know, I don't understand why the league, the league like acts like, oh, like don't do this LTIR cap shenanigans. But then this is so blatantly, again, their favorite team. Like I just... I go back and forth because on one hand, you know, people say it's embarrassing for the franchise. And I kind of understand. But also, if I'm an owner who's playing in a 4,000C arena, which is a problem of its own, I, I do understand that. But if that is my given scenario and we're considering that a sunk cost, I don't really blame the team for going, well, let's cut down our own cost as much so we're not losing as much. Like, to me, that just makes general business sense. I think the GM is doing an amazing job here, but it's on the league to prevent this from happening, and it is in the league CBA that they are allowed to do this. So I don't really see the issue in terms of, like, uh, like I, I get it. I, I, I wish there was a way to fix it, but just in terms of are they in the wrong, I don't think so. I, I really don't, so... Um, Wow, that, that picked up a little bit, eh? The, the heat. Uh, I told you guys I was going to be passionate. I, I really hope everyone's having a good time listening. I, I know my voice is a little bit, you know, it won't just be me. Uh, you know, but this episode, we had to do it um, this way. So uh, the next team, the Chicago Blackhawks, I have in the selling tier. Uh, again, obviously, um, you know, they, they sold off just a couple pieces here and there. Uh, Jake McCabe was their big one in terms of non-Patrick Kane. Uh, we'll get the obviously Kane they sell off. They don't get maybe quite return you would have hoped from Kane. Um, they get a 2023 second round pick that becomes a uh, 2024 first top 10 protected uh, or 2025 first if New York makes the conference final this year, uh, which is definitely more likely than Ottawa. That's for sure. Uh, 2023, or sorry, 2025 fourth. So they get a second that turns into a first if they make the conference final and a fourth. People are going saying, oh, how did they only get that little or whatever? And it's like, well, it's the same stuff as Taylor Hall a couple years ago where Patrick Kane went, I have a full no trade clause and I'm going there. And unlike Taylor Hall a couple years ago, Buffalo didn't owe Taylor Hall anything. They could have just kept him the rest of the year. It would have been probably pretty dumb. Like, they ended up getting a second, and that's better than nothing. But that's the same case here, except 
I think there is something to be said that like this is the dude that helped win you three cups, has been the face of your franchise. Um, you know, like I, if you want to do right by him, fine. Now, I think one of the things that was a little eye opening about hockey media is not one person brought up about anything about Patrick Kane's past this year. Um, just obviously his involvement in 2010, I, like people seem to be kind of moved on from that, uh, you know, the Kyle Beach story and even just, you know, the other accusation, the, the cab driver and the other accusations. Uh, I was a little surprised that wasn't even even mentioned at all. It was just how great he is at hockey and how cool it's going to be have, have him on Broadway. But I don't know, maybe I maybe I shouldn't be surprised from the NHL from that. But um, the other move Chicago made was Jane McCabe to the Toronto Maple Leafs. To, they retain 50% of his salary, and he's got two more years. Uh, so they're going to have two mil on the books for two more years. I don't think that will be a big deal because um, they're trying to be bad for a couple years. You know, this is the first... I mean, last year was the first year they kind of realized they were bad, but they didn't have their pick last year because they traded away. Um, but I, I I like this deal. They get a 2025 first-round pick back, which is conditional. It's top 10 protected. Uh, and then 2026 second-round pick. Um, it doesn't say what happens if the pick is top 10 for Toronto uh, in 2025. Uh, but again, from from Chicago's standpoint, I don't think they could have traded. I don't think Toronto has their 2020 uh, pick. But Chicago's in a great spot here uh, just because they have sold a ton of assets. Uh, and then so they also um, flipped, obviously, Max Domi's we talked about. They get 2025 second. Uh, and then that was about it for their picks. But... Again, they're another team where they're diversifying. They have Toronto's 21st in 2025. And again, I like that because if there's a year to pick when they might be outside of the playoffs, 2025 is 98% more likely, even if it's not that likely. Like if they do resign Matthews and stuff and it's still not that likely, it's still way more likely than when they're a lock for it right now. So um, then also, of course, so they have two firsts this year. Uh, it's Tampa's from the, um, the not Ross Colton, Brandon Hagel deal. Uh, and this year and next year, uh, both of them are top 10 protected. Uh, so all three of their firsts in the next three years are top 10 protected. Again, I don't see Tampa's this year won't be, so they'll have two firsts this year. Tampa's next year won't be, I, I highly doubt. And then, you know, it'll be surprised Toronto. They have four second-round picks this year. Um, they have two-thirds this year, two-thirds next year, two-seconds next year, and in 2025 as well. So they're really starting to do, and then two-fourths in 2025 too, they're really starting to do the same thing where they're getting a bunch of assets this year, they're going to be able to draft a bunch this year, but they're also kind of diversifying it, and I really like it. Um, and the other move I should say, I think this was before the 23rd, but they did take Nikita Zaitsev on for a second-round pick and a fourth-round fourth round pick, I believe, as well. So, um, yeah, I... I I, I've really liked what the Blackhawks have been doing so far this deadline too. It's good to see, you know, they're they're fully acknowledging they need to rebuild, and that's what they're doing with it. So, um, you know, I, again, I, I thought that was a solid deadline for them. Uh, Columbus again, same mix where you know they're right in the thick of things. Um, they pay, they trade Corpus. They, they only had one big move really. I mean, they flipped got Nyquist, who wasn't even sure that they were going to play again this year for a fifth. Uh, and then they obviously their big move is that Corpusalo and Gavrikov out. Uh, they bring in quick a first-round pick that is conditional, uh, and the condition is the Kings do not qualify for the 2023 playoffs. Columbus will receive two second-round picks instead, which is interesting. That's not a condition you see super often, but um, I, it doesn't look like LA's going to win, so it'll probably be a 2023 first, and then a 2024 third. Uh, and then they then flip um, Jonathan Quick with 50% retained to Vegas and get a seventh and Michael Hutchinson. So Jonas Corposalo, Gavrikov out. Uh, a first, a third, a seventh, and Hutchinson, who is probably just back up this year anyways for him, let their uh, prospects sit in the minors. Um, and then they also sent a sixth with Jacob Voracek's salary. That's for future years, if people are confused about that, um, because they were tight against the cap, so that'll help them going forward. Uh, I, I don't have a ton to say. I think they do a really good job at boosting Gavrikov's value. I don't think Gavrikov's that good. And even I get the upgrade for Corpus Allo to Quick, and we'll get that from LA's side. But getting a first and a third for, like, if you told me Corpus Allo went for a third, I'd be like, okay, and that means you've got Gavrikov for a first? I really like that. So, um, no, pre pretty good, tidy piece of business. There's not a ton to talk about with them. They're awful. But they're, uh, they, they had pieces to sell, and they did sell. So that is good. Um, next team I have on this list is the Seattle, uh, no, the San Jose Sharks. Sorry. Um, again, another team. Timo Myers, the big deal here. 
Uh, we knew he was going to move, and oh boy, did he. The biggest trade, I think, in NHL history in terms of total assets. There's been a bunch where there's like a, a bunch of players, and there's been a bunch where there's a bunch of picks. But Scott Harrington, Timo Meyer, Zachary Emon, Santeri Hataka, Timor Iperkimov, and a 2024 fifth-round pick goes out the door to the New Jersey Devils. Andreas Janssen, Fabian Zetterlin, Nikita Otiak, uh, and uh, Shakir Mukmadulin comes in as prospects. 2023 first, 2024 second, both conditional, 2024 seventh. Condition on the first is it's top two protected. Again, so New Jersey's not going to, like, New Jersey's in locked for the playoffs. It's not going to be a top two pick. Uh, condition for the second. Condition, if New Jersey makes the 2023 Eastern Conference Final and Meyer plays in 50% of the games or New Jersey makes the 2024 Eastern Conference Final, the pick becomes New Jersey's 2024 first. So it is a second that can turn into a first. Um, the 2024 first is top 10. And New Jersey has the option to instead transfer into 2025. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, lots of conditions. <laughs> uh, overall... You know, there's not a ton to talk about from the New Jersey side as well. So, you know, maybe I'll do both for, for them in terms of this deal. I lo- love it from New Jersey. Uh, you know, I, I'm assuming a deal will come with it. Um, underwhelming, in my opinion, from San Jose. But at the same time, I, I do kind of understand that they were maybe put in a pickle where there's not a ton of teams that could have been in on him, especially if Meyer said, I'm not really planning on re-signing or signing with any team right away, then maybe this is the best deal they can get. Just a little disappointing. You know, a first for sure. Uh, which is good. A second that could turn into a first, um, and not super, uh, like, again, like the odds of New Jersey making the Eastern Conference Final way better than Ottawa, so, you know, but at worst a second and then a seventh. And then my bigger problem is I thought Alexander Holtz would be a lock to go in this deal, deal. and so so they get Medulin, which, I don't know, the the prospect people I've talked to don't love him. Fabian Zetter, again, is another guy where he's okay. I think they were ranked like 5th and ninth or something in the Devils prospect war, 6th and 10th or something like that. But the Devils, you know, they they have four or five really good prospects, and they definitely missed out on that tier of prospects. So I would say that's why I'm a little disappointed uh, on it from San Jose's side, but it's better than nothing. Uh, They then um, gave a third-round pick to try and get a college free agent in Henry Thrun. Uh, who's kind of doing the Adam Fox thing. I have never heard of this guy, so I don't know. A little worried about that, but uh, we'll see. Um, they then pick up Nemestikov for uh, and basically a cap dump. Uh, they take 50% of his salary and then flip him to uh, um, Winnipeg, as I had mentioned. Uh, they also t- got a fifth-round pick and a seventh-round pick for just eating salary in the Benino deal. Uh, between Montreal and Pittsburgh. Or, sorry, no, my bad. They sent Benino to Pittsburgh, and they get picks uh, and also, I think, ate some salary as well. So, um, yeah, overall, a, a fine deadline. Like, again, they, they did what they needed to do. I was a little un- underwhelmed with the return, but they were fine. Uh, three teams here that I think are really smart to sell, um, but also I kind of feel like are the, you know like they're in a mini rebuild but they're not going to commit to it i'm going to be interested to see what they do st louis washington and nashville let's get st louis first they didn't actually make many moves in the deadline period they picked up jacob rana which is why i think they're gonna want to move him and obviously prospect zach dean comes in by barbershop out um obviously they made the ryan o'reilly trade which we talked about at length last week it was our whole podcast basically uh, they also made the Tarasenko trade before that. So they had done their selling before. Um, I'm really curious to see what Vrana pays off, how Vrana looks for them. Um, you know, we've talked about Vrana on this podcast. I'm definitely lower on him than the majority of people seem to be, just in general. Like, I think he, you know, he's just never really put together and people kind of talk sometimes like, you know, he has all the time. But um, I'm going to be interested to see how that works. I do think that it's an interesting pickup. And for a seventh round pick in an NHL player, that that's totally fine. Like, that, I, I like that a lot. So. Um, and, and it's also 50% retained, which is even better for them. So, um, yeah, I, I just an okay deadline. It does look like they don't want to fully bottom out, so they, they are going to keep kind of going back to the well. But for their actual this year, I like it. Uh, Nashville Predators, surprise sellers. Sell Matias Ekholm is the biggest piece, uh, as well as Mikael Granlin for a second. Ekholm, they get Tyson Berry, a first, a fourth for Ekholm. Um, and then, obviously, Tyler Tanner Janot, 
for all the picks in the world in Cal Foot. That is one we're going to circle back on. Also, Nino Nino Rider for a second. So they're shedding some salary, getting a little younger. Uh, again, we, I like this because they're a team that just was stuck in being the 19th best team in the league. And so I'm going to be interested to see where they go. They also hire Barry Trotz as their GM starting this summer. And I really do like that David Poyle has kind of set him up in a position where he's got two firsts, two seconds, three thirds, three fourths, two fifths this year to work with. Uh, three seconds next year, two fourths and two fifths. Uh, two firsts in 2025. So, um, no, I, I, I really like what Nashville did. I'm just going to be interested to see how they go forward because it doesn't feel like to me that they're going to want to bottom out. And I don't know how they can with a guy like UC Saros in that as well. So really like what they did this year selling. I think they got some great value on players. I mean, obviously one we'll get to, but um, yeah, I just curious go forward. Uh, Washington's another one. I did not see Washington being a seller, uh, but they flip Orlov. Uh, they bring in Craig Smith as a captain, uh, a first, a second, and a third. Really like this deal as well. Um, sending out uh, Dmitry Orlov, who's UFA. They kind of need to change things around. Uh, they get a third for Marcus Johansson, but then they turn around and use the first they get from Boston to send Eric Gustafs in the Leafs and pick up Rasmus Sandin. Um, a first is a lot for Sandin. I was surprised, but I like the player a lot, and I think this is a nice in. Uh, they also get a second for Lars Eller. I think this is a nice neutral. They sell their UFAs. They're going to try to retool this team. It's clear they realize they had to get a little younger, and they might get a little worse, but they are not bottoming out while Ovi is going for this goal record. But getting a guy with upside that helps the team now in Sandin, I think he will be a good piece for them, and also has that upside. I, I really like that the half-in, half-out. You know, the 98% of teams, I would not like a half-in, half-out strategy. Uh, Washington, by far, is the exception to that rule, uh, just until Ovi gets his goal record. So, And again, that first from Boston, like, what are the odds that is you know, 26 or later, I would say relatively high. So I, I really like the, uh, the deal. And I think that is, um, you know, something that, uh, I, I just, I was surprised to see them dedicate, like actually go for selling. But again, the way they did it, I thought made a lot of sense. You know, it was there, they were selling guys that they, uh, didn't think they were going to keep anyway. So, you know, that allows them to get some assets and maybe retool this summer. Uh, so that is the end of that tier. We have, uh, six, 12 teams left. Uh, I'll try and get through these as well. Again, there's a lot of talking, but uh, before I do that, I would like to thank the sponsor, or give a shout out to our sponsors at Athletic Greens. Their signature AG1 has the highest quality ingredients, the strictest manufacturing standards. Uh, it's made of 75 of the highest quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source nutrients in the world and manufactured to the strictest quality standards. Uh, it's even NSF certified for sport, uh, a robust certification process that involves ingredient and a finished batch testing of AG1. Simply follow the link in our show description to get started today. All right, on to the final couple tiers here. Uh, we have the teams that are loading up and the teams that I put in, what are you doing? And those are the teams that I kind of want to talk about the most anyways. But, uh, you know, I've talked about everyone a lot. So let's go with loading up. Uh, some of these I'm going to run through pretty quickly because I think, you know, it's pretty self-explanatory. But first team here, Boston Bruins. Uh, they pick up Dimitri Orlov, Tyler Bertuzzi uh, as their two big names, and Garnet Hathaway, I guess, if you want to throw him in there as well. But Orlov solidifies the blue line. I really like that move. And, and Bertuzzi it feels like the rich getting richer in the forward depth. Uh, First-round pick and a fourth-round pick. First is top 10 protected. Um, so they do give a lot up at this deadline. Two firsts, uh, second, a third, a fourth. Um, then Captain Craig Smith. But again, this is their year to go in, so I have no problem with this. I think Orlov really makes this blue line deep. I think one thing they were missing was another defenseman. Uh, you know, Lindholm's been unreal this year. Obviously, Charlie McAvoy is a favorite of this podcast. But, you know, giving getting them Orlov is just a really disgustingly good fit for this team. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers, uh, I... I love this move. Again, uh, bringing in Matthias Ekholm is exactly what they needed on the blue line, you know, moving out Tyson Berry. People seem to be really worried about Tyson Berry going out and that affecting the power play. And, like, every statistic we have in terms of rates is, like, when Tyson Berry's off that power play, it doesn't make a difference. If anything, it's an uptick in the other direction, which makes logical sense because, like, again, it's Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl running that power play, not Tyson Berry. 
Uh, and they send a first this year and a fourth next year um, to uh, Nashville as well. Uh, that's a good price to pay. Matias Eckholm, a little worried. They had 4% retained on the contract, too. Don't understand why Nashville does that, but they get him. Eckholm went right at six. Um, yeah, I'd be a little worried maybe about Eckholm's last couple years of this deal, but you're all in with McDavid right now, so you kind of got to do it. Uh, I almost would have rather, or not rather, I would have also liked to see them either add another depth forward. They had Nick Bukestead, which whatever, um, or another good defenseman like I just I I wanted to see one more piece maybe get added but I, I do like that they they brought in Matias Eckholm that's a much better fit than spending a ton of assets on like Gavrikov or something like that so uh, the next team is the LA Kings and again we kind of talked about their one uh, big trade already in terms of uh, Corposalo and Gavrikov uh, apparently Quick was absolutely pissed that he got flipped in this deal and I don't understand why. I get franchise legend. You know, we talked about, like, doing right by Patrick Kane earlier. But, like, Jonathan Quick has been horrible for five years now. Uh, he just, uh, like, he hasn't He had one good year last year and was bad for four years prior. I, I just, I don't get it why he would be surprised. Like, the team's trying to push for playoffs again. It's not like Chicago where they're bad. It's like if Quick just wanted to live his time out there and they suck, that's a different thing. He'd be helping them. But, like, this team is actively in the division hunt. They're tied for the division lead right now. And they just signed Phoenix Copley. You have to know you're the odd man out. I don't get why he was pissed. I, I like it. I think they probably, like, any upgrade over Quick this year is a net positive for L.A. But I think they, like... You ask me, they overpaid for, you know, like Corpus Allo, I don't love Corpus Allo's goalie either. He's having a good year, but I, I think, you know, this has been more of a flash in the pan than anything else. Uh, and Gavrikov, like, he's a fine defenseman. It fits their need, but again, like we, we talked about in past weeks, I, I think he got really overrated this deadline. But, you know, they definitely upgrade their team, so that's good for them. Moving on to the New Jersey Devils. And again, I don't know, we probably don't need to, stay with New Jersey super long here because I kind of talked about the Timo Meyer one. That was their huge thing. They also brought in Curtis Lazar for a fourth. He's he's a fine fourth-line player. Uh, I don't have much to say about Curtis Lazar. But, uh, no, I love the Timo Meyer fit. I, I hope they sign him. I could see them sign him eight by eight somewhere in there. I really like the Timo Meyer fit for their team, though. I think that's a perfect addition and exactly what they needed at this deadline. So And, again, I, I don't think they really gave too much up given – Compared to some of the other teams, you know, so I, I, I like their deadline, um, you know, and, and this to me, again, like I'd be a little surprised if he walks. Uh, that would be maybe make me not feel as good about it. But if they sign him to a contract, I think, you know, this is clearly one that improves their team for long to come as well. So uh, second last team in this tier is the New York Rangers and obviously Tarasenko we talked about. They also get Patrick Kane. Uh, so those are their big moves. Tyler Mott got, uh, hopefully he's okay. He got hit real high by Austin Watson the other night. That, that was another move they had made. Um, yeah, again, like they didn't have to give up much for Kane. And it was another case of that's because Kane demanded basically going there. So um, shockingly, don't have much to say about most of these. Uh, I'll be interested to see how Kane and Tarasenko work on the same team. The upside is definitely there, but I'm going to be... A little curious to see if that's too between those two and Panarin. The offense is going to be off the charts, but I, I wonder how this team is going to look defensively. Uh, and then the team that has given me the most to talk about, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, if Ryan O'Reilly wasn't enough, they go and make another splash. They get Jake McCabe. Uh, and Sam Lafferty, um, again, McCabe 50% retained. Uh, they also get two-fifths, um, both conditional. Uh, sorry, no, just the first one. The 2024 fifth is conditional. Uh, the fifth round picks transferred to Toronto will be the lowest of the 2024 fifth round picks that Chicago owns at the time of the draft. So if Chicago picks up any more fifths uh, in 2024, that the lowest will be the one that goes over. Uh, they send a first uh, top 10 protected in 2025 and a second in 2026 back the other way, along with Joey Anderson, and, who is a fringe roster player for them. Sam Lafferty will take over. And Pavel Gogolev, who is a nothing prospect, really. Um, I like this deal. I, I, I think Jake McCabe is a fine defender, and at $4 million, I don't think I, I would have rather see them go for like Chitron or someone, but at 50% retained for two more seasons, I do really like this move. I, I can't lie. Um, they then flip Sandine for Gustafson in a first. I'm so torn on this move. I, I think they gave up on Sandine too early. 
And Sandine at 1.4 might be as good as Jake McCabe now. And Sandane was signed for another year as well. Now, Gustafson at 800K, I'm going to be really interested because you could make an argument Eric Gustafson this season has done exactly what you hope Rasmus Sandine turns into. And if Gustafson can keep that with Toronto, I really like that as a pickup. But I don't know. I, 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 I'm i surprised they got a first and a pretty solid roster player for him. But at the same time, um, you know, I, I don't know. Like, it just... I'm not sold. Then Pierre Engvall goes out for a third. They flip that third immediately for Luke Shen. So it's Luke Shen in, Pierre Engvall out. I think that's a downgrade. People, uh, Toronto media's love in Luke Shen. You know, the big physical veteran defenseman. I don't know. They, their problem with depth scoring. And, you know, Ryan O'Reilly obviously helps that a lot. But I just... They definitely got more quote-unquote playoff ready. I just don't know how... How much better the team is overall, excluding obviously the Ryan O'Reilly trade makes them better. And even I don't mind the Jake McCabe trade, but it's just when you get into Sandine out and uh, Engvall out for Luke Shen, like Engvall's not the most perfect player in the world. Like he's six foot five who doesn't hit anyone. I know that frustrates a lot of people. So they're definitely going to be bringing a different style of game and. You know, but at the end of the day, I think for Toronto, it's going to come down to their stars anyways. And O'Reilly helps that. But if Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and Tavares can't be better than the four best players on Tampa, it probably won't matter. And we'll throw Morgan Riley into that mix as well because he has been atrocious for most of this year given his standards. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I go back and forth on their deadline. I know I, I know I can I don't want to put words in his mouth. I know just talking to Chase privately over this week, um, or personally over this week, uh, he was not the biggest fan of this deadline. He really likes Rasmus Sandin. Um, you know, getting a first back for them is good, but you know, their team now where you know we were, I was awing over some of the high picks. Like the the high um, amount of draft picks that a couple teams have go to Toronto Scout friendly and it is the opposite. They do have a first this year and their first next year. They don't have their own first, second, third, or fourth this year. They don't have their own seventh this year. They do have a fifth and sixth. They only have three picks in this year's draft. Uh, they have the Islanders third next year, but they don't have their own second for next year or 2025. They don't have their own first in 2025 or third in 2025. So the 2025 draft is three drafts from now, and they already currently only have their third, two fifths, uh, a sixth, and a seventh. So I, I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world. Like their whole team is UFAs other than the, the big four this year. So it'll be interesting to see. They're, where they go, or Big Five, if you want to include Riley, I guess. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. But for this year, again, like they've loaded up and they gotta gotta go for it again. You have to assume if they get stuck in first year, like. But the other thing I don't understand is like if they get stuck in the first round again, what more could you have possibly asked for Kyle Dubas in terms of like, especially from like like maybe from my end, I go, oh, I didn't really like what he did this deadline analytically. But like everyone's praising him for ignoring the analytics, going for intangibles and stuff. Well, if they bow out again, what more can you possibly want from Kyle Dubas other than maybe he should like maybe you blame him for not trading one of the big four on purpose, which again just seems a little stupid. But um, all right, so we are at the fifty-three minute mark, almost. Oh man, I am sorry, and we still have the teams in what category, which is six of them. Uh, let's rip through them really quick. Ottawa, the easiest one. I'm going to just plug my podcast. It is coming out tomorrow. Or when you're listening to this, it'll be out where you're listening to this. The Last Word on Sense podcast. I'm having Graham Nichols on to talk about uh, everything Ottawa's trade deadline. The reason I put them in the what is it probably seems weird that they are buying, uh, but it's Jacob Chitron who's going to help them for multiple years, and they're all in this year. So I'm just going to plug that podcast. Go listen to that podcast wherever you listen to this podcast, uh, and it'll be there. Um, the next team we have is the Philadelphia Flyers, and I put them in the what category because they did relatively nothing, um, even though they suck. I, I just I don't really understand why they're not selling anyone. They sell Patrick Brown for a sixth-round pick to Ottawa. Uh, Zach McEwen, they picked up Brendan Lemieux in a, a fifth for Zach McEwen, and that was literally their whole deadline. They almost had a JVR deal, and it fell through. I just don't understand what the Flyers are doing. I put them in the what tier. Um, Detroit is another team there where... They start. They sold out of nowhere, and I kind of like the selling. I, I'm fine with that in terms of, again, they're right in the mix of, like, the teams of Ottawa, Buffalo, Florida, but all of those teams, I think, are a little better than them right now. 
so I'm fine with them selling Bertuzzi. I really like that, getting a first-round pick back for him. Philip Ronick's having a great year, but I think getting a first and a second back for him is uh, great value, especially because of that Islanders first we talked about so much, and a fourth for Sunquist. Like, I'm good with the selling. Uh, I just, but then they were, they were the team that was going to go pick up JVR. And so that's why I threw them on the what, I don't really understand what's happening there, but in terms of the trades they did make, I really think that they were, they were smart. Uh, let's go to Minnesota now, because I have no idea. They just seem to be like, we want to kind of stay in the playoffs, but we know we need to shed some salary because we're in the middle of a cap crunch right now. So like, you know, like they, but they had so much cap room this year that they managed to get a couple extra picks for like retaining um D dimitri orlov uh, i want to say they retained on oh who was out there was another big trade earlier in the year that they they retained on as well uh they retained gustav they get gustav nyquist at, at half retain and he might not even play this year um they acquire marcus johansson for a third but then flip greenway out for a second and a fifth and again i think that's because johansson is ufa this year and greenway's naughty in two more years but then they go and pick up oscar sunquist for 2.75 and klingberg for three points like they just half in half out i don't really understand the long play here like it feels like you should have either gone all in or all out. And again, some of it's probably just balancing salary for next year because they are going to be in a crunch. But I I don't know. I, I didn't love what they did this. I, I'm just a little confused on where they're going on this deadline. And it kind of seems like they're half foot in, half foot out. But um, all right, to Vancouver Canucks. Why are you buying? I Like, it doesn't shock me because this is exactly what they, the ownership wants. They want, but like, why are you spending assets on Philip Ronick when you know this team sucks? Just to, and like the one thing we applauded them about the Bo Horvat trade is they got the 2023 first, which is the New York Islanders, and it has a top 10 condition on it that they should actually want it to be the top 20, the 2024 so it can be unprotected. Now they just flipped that for a guy in Ronick who I really like, but he's not moving the needle for this team. So you give them a first and a second, like your own second too in 2023. There's a chance that's like the 35th, 36th overall pick. <sighs> I just don't get it. And I, I get it's the ownership that's doing this, but it's just the stupidest thing in the world where you you know, you get a couple, you sell a couple guys, but it's like, oh, let's flip it for a 24-year-old. They said, like, they didn't trade Connor Garland because they wanted a youngish guy who's an effective roster player. It's like, that's exactly what Connor Garland is. What are we doing here with this franchise? Just one of the most dysfunctional franchises. We're going to have to deep dive them later this year, but just, I, I just couldn't believe it. Um Final team, the Tampa Bay Lightning. They make one move. Uh, they, they trade away Nemestikov. Uh, they make the one move is Tanner Janot in at 800K. Uh, he is an RFA at the end of this year. Cal Foote, a first-round pick, a second-round pick, a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick, and a fifth-round pick goes out the door. The first-round pick is in 2025, is top 10 protected. Again, it does not say what happens if the thing is, if it goes in the next year or if it becomes a second or what, but they give up their 2025 first, their 2024 second, and then their third through fifth-round picks in 2023. So the way they came out and defended this was, we don't really place that much value on draft picks. We're all in now. We want to see it. That is totally okay with me. And the fact that they went and got Tanner Janot is totally okay with me. I think Tanner Janot is going to fit this team perfectly. But the opportunity cost of what you spent here is the biggest problem I have. They now have no first-round picks for the next three years. They don't pick until round six this year. They have three picks. That's one round six, two in round seven. They already don't pick until round three next year. They don't have their own fourth. They have Chicago's fourth. Uh, and they don't pick it. They don't have their first in 2025. I'm not as worried about the lack of picks, but you cannot tell me. I and this is not the same as picking up, you know, a Brandon or a Hagel or a, um, a Coleman or a Goudreau for first round picks because those were useful players that were undervalued, and you know they they had multiple years of control. Tanner Janot is a guy who this is his second year in the league. He only has five goals this year, and he the reason he was people know his name is because he had 20 last year after shooting 20. percent So I did the math and. If you put him at 12% shooting both this year and last year, he would have been on pace for, I think, 14.9 goals last year and about 15.7 goals this year. So I just have 15, 16 goals. That's a fine player. Why are you giving up picks 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 for that, though? Like, it's just, it's insane. And it's not like this dude is on a contract where he signed for three more years at 800K. You have to re-sign him this summer. And maybe you get a discount on him. But if you don't, you're sure as shit not getting that kind of return back for him. 
unless he has like maybe maybe he goes off in the play, and that's why it's like I don't want to be so against it in terms of I like the fit, I really do like the fit for the player, but the opportunity cost is way too much. You could have cleared cap space and probably gotten a player. And two players as good or better than Jano for using that amount of salary cap, just or that amount of picks. Just seeing what we we saw go this deadline is just absolutely insane to me. And the amount of people that were like, "Oh, this is a good deal," because the the remember we didn't see anything in the last Lightning deals. It's like no, no, no. the player is fine. And but even if they win the cup, it does not make giving up a first through five through five away for this guy. Like, yeah, I just I, I don't know. I, I couldn't believe it when it happened. I couldn't believe how many people were like, oh, got to see how it plays out. It's like, no, we don't. We absolutely do not have to see how that one plays out. I'm just, I, as you can tell, a little on the edge. But that is my full 32-team breakdown of the trade deadline. Just under an hour here. The podcast will be just over an hour. Uh, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed uh, me ranting here for a little while. Um, as always, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. All my work at lastwordonhockey.com. And as I said, go listen to the, the Sense podcast if you want a full breakdown. We're about to do about an hour on that as well, and that'll be out when you're listening to this. So, uh, again, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. And we'll talk to you all next week. Thank you.